Welcome to Satsang. Hello, Vishrant. Can you please talk about what happens when you trust life? You wake up, but people don't trust life. They try to manipulate and control it. And they use resistance and force and closure to do so. And so they create suffering for themselves in trying to control life. Someone who's actually in trust of life uh, understands that whatever happens is meant to happen, otherwise it wouldn't be happening. They understand that all forms of resistance create suffering. And they understand this because their consciousness levels are high enough to see it clearly. Any time that we resist life, we create suffering for ourselves, which we then share with our partners, with our friends, with, our, with the world, basically. Finding someone who's actually resistant-free is pretty unusual because it means they've defeated nature, because it is our nature to try to survive through resistance. But if we're looking for higher consciousness, well, we've got to defeat that. We've got to learn to let go. We've got to learn to accept. And ultimately, we need to learn unconditional surrender, which is a result of trust. Trust and surrender are very similar. But most people don't think in terms of uh, true trust. They think in terms of a false form of trust, which is I will trust you if you behave in a certain way. That's not true trust. True trust is I will trust you no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, I trust. This is a little different. This is a form of surrender. And in this surrender, it is easy for awareness to find itself and stay aware of itself. In other words, enlightenment is possible. But it's up to you because you're not programmed to trust. You're programmed to not trust. You're programmed to manipulate and control your environment with resistance, and you are programmed to suffer accordingly. But if you're into higher consciousness, you can change this. You can see it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Watch your own mind. See how you try to control through resistance. See how it brings you suffering, and you don't have to do that. We can still be effective in the material world without being resistant we can still be effective in the material world by being open. It's just our primal programming for survival that has us close and go into resistance. If you practice acceptance, if you practice let go, you're moving towards trust, you're moving towards unconditional surrender, you're moving towards higher consciousness, and you're moving towards enlightenment. It's up to you. Are there any questions?
any statements, any challenges to this teaching today? The first question is from a viewer who writes, what would be the opposite to trusting life? Well, if you, <laughs> the opposite of trusting life would be most people you know, including yourself. Watch what happens when you don't trust life. You go into resistance. You create suffering for yourself. Have a look around at your family and friends and see how many of them do it. How many of them are trying to control their lives with contraction and resistance? Probably all of them. And they are suffering accordingly because any time we resist life, we suffer. That's the cause of suffering. Pain is not the cause of suffering. Resistance is. And you have to supply the resistance. So you're responsible for the suffering. It's up to you. And so have a look around and see what's around you. Do you know anyone who doesn't live in resistance? Do you know anyone who is open? Do you know anyone who is accepting life as it is? Because if you don't, everybody you know will be suffering. It is only people who don't resist life, who accept life as it is, that don't suffer. And resistance or non-acceptance of life is a choice. The next question is from Indapol. Hi, Vishwanath. It's Jyoti. I know who it is. It's Jody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the teaching uh, this uh, that you just gave. Uh, can you explain how, so I understand what you're saying about resistance, but how do expectations fit into that for, let's say, your spouse or for your children? Um, is that a form of resistance? Only if it's... Uh, only if there is resistance inside it. You can, you know, jump in your car and expect to get to the shops. You don't have to have any resistance in it. Or you can jump in your car, get caught down the driveway because you've got a flat tyre, go into massive resistance about not being able to get to the shops because you have a flat tyre and suffer accordingly. It's the resistance we put behind the expectation that is the problem not the expectation itself, because we, we wouldn't jump in the car unless we expected to get to the shops. Does that make sense? That's a safe analogy. Hmm. I need one for my husband. <laughs> uh, look, resistance is... The problem, it's like what, what, what we back everything with, our addictive demands that we get it our way, our expectations are deadly. Um, we have belief systems with expectations attached to them. And if the expectation is not met, quite often people will go into resistance cause suffering. Uh, it's worth undoing the belief system because what's the point in suffering? You don't get any of these moments back that you suffer and not... Any part of suffering is needed. We don't have to resist life. We can still be effective in the world from a place of openness, non-resistance. 
practicing that definitely practicing practicing um yeah i'm catching myself because i hear i watch my mind do a lot of he should she should i should you should and so i'm trying to catch myself in those moments i'm um, looking at my belief but that's not a, the problem the problem isn't what you think should be the problem is the resistance you put behind what you think should be and so someone pulls in front of you and in, in off another lane very rapidly and the mind will go well they shouldn't have done that and that's correct they shouldn't have done that but what kind of resistance do you put into they shouldn't have done that is going to determine whether you suffer or not as a result got it Thank you. Road rage is just people hurting themselves and then blaming someone else for it. I, I definitely have a grasp of that concept after spending some time with you. Thank you. Okay. Nice to talk to you, Jodie. You too. The next question is from Abay. Hello, Abay. Well, I can't hear Abay. Abay is muted. Ah. So go on to the next person, please. Mate. Yeah. The next question is from Shrikanth. Hi, Vishwanth. How are you? <laughs> yeah. I, would you like to answer that question? <laughs> are you able to hear me? Yeah. Well, you asked me how I was. Oh, yeah. Quite often we ask people how they are and we don't even wait to listen for an answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I have a question about freedom. So what I thought I'd do is I thought I'd answer the question that you asked me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, really, I'm really, really nice. Thank you. I'm lovely. Oh, actually. great. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Excellent. Um, yeah, I have a question about freedom and free will, right? It is said that in enlightenment, you have freedom, but generally speaking, free will is a concept which is kind of fuzzy. It seems to be there, but it's not quite there. And a couple of reasons. One is you don't really exist as an individual. I mean, it's just an illusion that this me or I is there, but it's really not there. So nobody is free to do anything, but there is a freedom from suffering. But it appears that when you go to like a restaurant and order some item, it looks like you do have free will, right? I want, I have, I can choose from this menu what I want. I want this burger. I want this drink or something like that. Stop. So you ask me one question. You're carrying on. I'm not interested in having a conversation. If you want to ask okay. me a question, I'll answer it for you. But I'm not interested in having conversations with people. It's not where I live. I live in silence. Oh, sure, sure. Sorry about it. So what would you say is the difference between freedom and free will? And how does it change after enlightenment? Maybe that. Okay, yeah. So there's no such thing as free will. There's the illusion of free will. But if free will existed, we would have programmed ourselves. We didn't do that. We were programmed by our genetics, 
by our parents, by our schooling, by our religion and by our government. All of our programming came in externally and then we make decisions based on that programming, which means we have no free will. We are going to run true to our patterns, our programming that was put in externally from us. In enlightenment, it is freedom from the mind. So there's no such thing as free will or will at all because it's gone. A person who's awake is living as beingness, not living as a mind anymore. So there's no, there's no question of free will. But there's also no question of freedom because in enlightenment, there's no such thing as imprisonment. Beingness has always been here. It cannot be anywhere else. And we are that. We were never born. We cannot die. You could call it freedom, but there was never any imprisonment. Not in beingness. Uh, okay. Okay. It just was an illusion of bondage or being in prison, but we are always free all the time. Always. What we truly are is always free. I see. But some people know it. Some people don't know it. Right? That's the difference. It's not a matter of knowing, it's a matter of awareness being aware of itself or beingness being aware of itself or consciousness being aware of itself. It's not a matter of knowledge that's held in the mind. It's a matter of the direct knowing as a result of awareness being aware of itself. In that particular body, mind, organism. Yeah, and that's enlightenment. If that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's enlightenment. Aware, yeah. awareness, aware of itself, beingness, aware of itself. And in that, the mind shuts up. It can't be bothered talking anymore, so it shuts up. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Joshua. Yeah. Thank you. The next question has been written by a viewer. Does the external circumstance of my life get better if I trust life? Yes, it does, because if you trust life, you stop suffering. You see, when, as your consciousness levels rise, you get to see that everybody is suffering because everybody is resisting life. If you trust life, you don't suffer. It's our non-trust of life, our, our resistance to life, our manipulation and control with resistance that causes suffering. And so it's up to you. You create your own reality by the way you think. If your thinking takes you into resistance, you're creating suffering for yourself. There is a freedom from that. Stop resisting. Accept life as it is. It doesn't make you impotent. It just makes you peaceful. The next question is from Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Vishwan. So in the beginning, you mentioned that uh, people who practice higher consciousness, they are aware that uh, things that happen in life, they're already meant to happen. So I was wondering if there's a way to take control of life and change the things that are meant to happen. I'm not sure you've heard me correctly. Can you ask that question again? Uh, 
in the beginning, you mentioned that uh, things that happen in life, they are already meant to happen. And a person who practices higher consciousness is aware of this. That's how they see it, yes. So is there a way to change the things that are already meant to happen by taking control of life? You can if you want to, but can you do that from a place of openness and non-resistance? And you know, like we make choices to go places but and do things, we make choices to change things, but really if we have a look at who's making the choices, it's a mind that has been programmed by someone else. Mm. People love to think that they're independent. They love to think that they... Uh, are autonomous, but if you were autonomous, you wouldn't have been programmed by someone else. You would have programmed yourself. You are running true to the programming that was put into you by your environment, your parents, your religion, your teachers, your genetics. You didn't program you, so there's no free will. There seems to be free will, but there's not. Right. And All so right. you asked me if I want um, you you asked me if I want uh, a cup of tea with sugar in it. I'm going to say yes. That's a choice. That's a preference. But I was programmed to make that choice. Hmm. Right. And uh, so I watched the whole world suffering. The only way out of it is higher consciousness. And enlightenment. There is no other way out of it. You can't think your way out of uh, suffering, not really. The only way is to know yourself as truth, is to wake up. You can limit the suffering by not resisting life. That's about it. You can limit the suffering by accepting life as it is. And from my perspective, I don't resist life. Everything that happens is meant to happen, otherwise it wouldn't happen. Right. So why resist it? Why, why fight it? Like if something goes wrong, that doesn't mean I'm not going to move to uh, try to correct it. But I accept that it's gone wrong. I accept that that was meant to happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. And from that space, I'm operating from a place of peace, a place of openness. I'm not operating from a place of resistance inside myself. Right. Okay, and uh, another question was, uh, I was listening to an old audio clip of Osho in which he was mentioning about uh, why he has a beard and he was suggesting that men should grow their facial hair and not take it off because it's unnatural. So uh, what, what do you think? I really don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you got to, the body is not who we are. It's a spacesuit. The mind is an onboard computer for the spacesuit, but it's not who we are. We are that that's aware of the mind and the body. We are pure awareness. The spacesuit is just a spacesuit. It's not a bad idea to take good care of it, otherwise you'll get sick and die. But it's just a spacesuit. It's a vehicle, the same as the mind is a vehicle. But it's not who we are. So whether you grow your hair long or you don't grow your hair long, so what, it's just a spacesuit. It's like, do you get so concerned about the wetsuit when you go diving? No. 
yep. So that was it. Uh, thank you, Vishal. Okay, thank you, Neil. The next question is from a viewer. If the mind trusts more, does life still take care of what the mind wants? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're trying to do a deal with trust. That's not trust. That's a business deal. If I trust, am I going to be taken care of? That's not trust. That's a business deal. I will trust if I'm taken care of. No, that's not how trust works. That's how business deals work. Trust is whatever happens is meant to happen. It's okay. That's trust. The next question has been written by a viewer. Hi, Vishrant. What is the difference between witnessing the mind and entertaining the mind? It appears to be quite similar. No, it's very different. The witness doesn't do anything. The witness isn't involved. It's separate. It's the awareness of the mind. The mind might have a drama running. There's something witnessing it. It doesn't move. It doesn't make judgments. It just watches. It's very different. The witness doesn't make any noise. It doesn't think. It doesn't do anything. It just witnesses. The mind thinks, dreams, carries on. Very different. The witness just witnesses that. The, question, the next question has been written by a viewer. If I am pure awareness and I am free, why can't I be aware of Eckhart Tolle's planet? <laughs> if you're pure awareness and you're free, what? <laughs> why, why can't I be aware of Eckhart Tolle's planet? Did you say planet? Yes. <laughs> why don't you wake up and find out? <laughs> see that's the invitation here the invitation is for you to wake up it's not for you to collect knowledge that's not the invitation no amount of knowledge is going to wake you up no amount of knowledge is going to heal any wounds of your heart or open your heart no amount of knowledge is going to enlighten you no amount of knowledge is going to raise your consciousness levels but seekers make this huge mistake of collecting knowledge and then playing with philosophy, thinking that somehow they're advanced. No, they're probably more behind the eight ball than someone who hasn't even begun because they think they know something. The next question has been written by Sarah. What is a simple daily practice to show myself self-love and acceptance openness you practice openness and you'll start perceiving love everywhere it's a beautiful practice and no one needs to know you're doing it every time something contracts you every time you go into resistance drop the resistance and open up every time 
The practice of openness is a practice towards enlightenment. The next question is from Susha. Hello, Susha. Hi, Bhagwan. Very good for you to check your mic before you talk to me. <laughs> Sorry about that yesterday. Mm -hmm. I um, wanted to ask you about staying open when it's having pain in the body or illness. All my attention is attracted is taken by that by the pain in the body okay it doesn't matter uh, you can have your awareness on the pain and still not be contracted you can still have pain and not be res in, in resistance you can simply be seeing it witnessing the pain you're you're thinking that because there's pain there contraction has to be there i tell you right now that's not the case you can be surrendered Pain can be there and you can be wide open, whether it's emotional or physical pain. I, are there any tips? I, I'm not sure how I know how to do that. Tips. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a tip jar, do you? <laughs> are there any tricks? tricks. I, yeah, you practice. That's the trick. Every time you experience pain, instead of contracting, you practice uh, letting go. You practice breathing out and letting go until you get very good at let go, until you're so good at let go that you don't even contract. You don't even start the contraction. So pain occurs and you're okay with the pain. You're tenderly okay with the pain. But I don't know any other way except to practice because our default is to resist. Our default is to resist pain uh, and to chase comfort. That's our primal default pattern. But that can be overcome with practice. When you say tenderly, okay, is that warmly saying the pain can stay as long as it is, as, as long as it wants? Is, is that what I should be saying or? Well, you could no. say that, but this, this idea of time is ridiculous as well as only now. And pain's mm -hmm. here, it's here. Pain's not yeah. here, it's not here. There's nothing wrong with, you know, if you're in pain to take um, some kind of um, medicine or painkiller uh, or relieve yourself of the pain. The problem with pain is when you go into resistance to it, you create suffering for yourself. Pain doesn't cause suffering. Your resistance to it does. Okay, I, I strive to be floppy inside and I find that that floppiness does not come. If you breathe out and let go, it will, but you have to practice it. It's like you've spent a lifetime practicing the opposite. So guess what you're going to be good at? Yeah, resistance. Yeah, it's, it's it, everything that I teach takes practice because most of it runs against how we've been programmed and nature. Someone who has higher consciousness has actually defeated nature to do so because they're not resisting life anymore. Someone who's awake has defeated the survival mechanism. Thank you. Okay. Surrender is 
the defeat of the survival mechanism. It's a death of the thing that's trying to survive. Such a small word, but so hard to do. <laughs> it's just practice, that's all. It's, it, everyone's in such a hurry. We live in such a hurry, hurry world. And it takes time to learn acceptance. It takes time to learn surrender. These are not things that are easy to learn because we're not programmed for them. Yes. Thank so you so much. The subject is trust today. You know, very few people trust, if anyone. True trust is a non-doing. Everything's okay as it is, no matter what. That's true trust. That takes a fair bit of consciousness to play that game. Yes, my trust has been conditional. It comes with if, if this, then that, then I trust. Yeah, that's right. That's not trust. That's a business deal. I get that now. Great. <laughs> nice to talk to you, Susha. Thank you. Thank you, Bhagwan. The next question has been written by Emma. My father is close to leaving the physical body. I've heard that there are benefits to being with someone during this transition. Can you say something about this? It's a hard question to answer because I'm not sure what you mean by being with somebody. What, what, what somebody? Who are you talking about? Without more definition in the question, it's too hard for me to answer. The next question has been written by a viewer. Do you believe being hyper aware of things can make someone cynical and how does one avoid it? As your consciousness levels rise, you get to see how people are hurting themselves when they don't need to and you could become quite cynical about it. But that's a choice as well. You don't have to. You could actually realize that if you were at their consciousness levels running the programming that they had inside of them, you would be absolutely operating the same way and that these people can't help how they are. So being cynical about it is in a way ridiculous because you would be doing exactly the same if you were at their consciousness levels with their programming. What needs to happen here is you need to put yourself in their shoes and have empathy for them if they're suffering. Next question. Is watching the mind the same as trusting the mind? No, watching the mind is just witnessing what it's doing. It's not about trusting. It's just witnessing. It's just watching like you'd go to a field and watch a wild animal. You wouldn't do anything. You'd just watch it, see what it does. And after a while, 
the animal would show you all about itself because you're watching it. No judgments, just watching. And that's how you watch the mind as well. No judgments, just watch. And then the mind will reveal itself to you. It'll reveal its defense systems. It'll reveal its rubbish programs. It'll reveal its resistances. It's, it'll reveal its suffering. It'll show you itself if you just witness it. The next question has been written by a viewer. <clears throat> the more aware I am of what is happening in the world, I feel more sad for not being able to do anything. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. The more aware you become, the more aware you become aware of the suffering of the world the suffering of your friends, the suffering of your family, the more conscious you become, the more clarity you have, the more you see. And there's not much that you can do uh, to stop people suffering. Because if you try taking their victim-orientated thoughts off them, which is usually what's causing the suffering, they want to hurt you. I remember when I first took sannyas with Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, I got given the book, look where I'm pointing, don't bite my fingers. And at the time, I didn't understand it. But after many, many years of being a teacher and a counsellor, I realised that when you try to take suffering off people by showing them, they quite often don't want to surrender it. It's a part of their identity and they hang on to it. They'll fight you for it. And so it's a difficult world we live in. You can't help many people. You can tell the truth and you can live a life that is an example to others, a life that is a life of maturity, a life of a giver instead of a taker, but there's not much you can do. People are going to do what they want to do no matter what. The next question is from a viewer. Is not touching or being involved in the mind the same as trusting the mind? Not really. Trusting the mind is being okay with whatever happens. Not touching the mind simply means to not get involved with it, um, it which is different. And so you don't pay any attention to it anymore. You don't entertain it anymore. That's different. Watching the mind is very beautiful. You just witness, you just see. It's a very relaxed space. Falling into the witness, you, there comes a point where you find you are the witness. Instead of the drama that's happening in your head and the identification with that, in developing this witness that watches the mind, the potential is for you to become the witness, to, to find yourself as that awareness that is aware of the mind. The next question has been written by Sarah. Okay. What do you suggest a parent can say to their children to teach them about resistance? 
Okay, so as a parent, you teach your children by example. Talking to them is probably a waste of time because they don't listen as much as they role model off you. So if you role model a life of non-resistance, in other words, if you're not turning yourself into a victim of everything that happens around you, you're modeling a life for them that will, won't be victim orientated as well. You're the one who is going to teach them through how you behave around them with what you say, what you do. You are their role model. How are you modeling? Because that's how you're teaching. The next question has been written by Emma. What's the difference between acceptance and love? Well, acceptance has something to do with the mind. It's a process of the mind. It's, it gets to be a non-doing eventually, but it's a process of the mind. When it becomes a non-doing, it's surrender. But it's a process of the mind, and all processes of the mind are basically imaginary because the mind is imaginary. It's a dream. Love, on the other hand, is actually real. Love appears because your mind is open, you perceive it, and it's real. And love only has one quality, it loves. It doesn't have any other qualities. It doesn't think, it doesn't do anything, it just loves. A lot of people project onto love that it does a whole pile of things, like even talks to you, but that's rubbish. Love just loves. Acceptance is a process of the mind. It's another dream. It's not real, really, but love is real. And love is the only thing that is valuable on this plane. And so if you open up enough, you perceive love everywhere because it's always here. It's not somewhere else. It's always here. The only reason people don't perceive love is because they're closed. And so quite often people can look at a baby or pick up a baby or a puppy and they can feel love. It's because they've opened up. It's not that love was anywhere else or that they loved the puppy. It was their openness that, or their baby. It was their openness that allowed them to perceive love that's always here. And then they probably projected that love onto the baby or the puppy from the mind. But love is always here. It's everywhere. It's always here. Open up and see. The next question has been written by Abayi. Hi, Bhagwan. In the opening talk, you said, people say that I will trust you if you behave like this or like that. I feel a trust which does not have any conditions like that can be had only on my spiritual master. Is my understanding of trust wrong? It's the beginning. It's the beginning. I trusted my spiritual teachers, my spiritual master. And then that trust spread to trusting that everything that is happening is meant to be happening. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. It took a while. It took Satori's actually to recognize that there are no mistakes. There is nothing but perfection upon perfection upon perfection. Everything that's happening is meant to be happening, otherwise it wouldn't be happening. 
Next, you have a question from Tyler. Hello, Tyler. Hello, Vishra. Are you able to hear me? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to ask about the idea of reincarnation and how all of that works and where my mind goes is like 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 like, like everything's one so like how could there be um successive lives and all of that do you have anything to speak on that yeah okay so yes everything is one and in that oneness appears everything else so in the oneness appears the earth and uh, the world you live in but it's all an appearance in the one one is everything and that is our true nature as far as past lives are concerned, the ego gets born over and over again until it learns to die, until it learns to surrender unconditionally, until enlightenment occurs. I started remembering my past lives, so it's not an idea for me, <clears throat> when I was 10 years old. And at 12 years old, I was remembering who I was in my past life, what I did, what language I spoke, what my name was, and I was a Roman Catholic schoolboy in boarding school. It was just ridiculous that I'd be remembering this. It didn't make sense because in Catholicism, there is no past lives. But it was so real and it just kept coming and coming and coming. And then at the age of 33, I started remembering lives before that and I remembered hundreds of them. And it wouldn't stop. I couldn't stop it. I just kept remembering them. And, you know, we think we remember the good times. Well, we don't. We remember the times that were strong, like the traumatic times. And so most of my lives, I've been a soldier or a priest or a shaman. I remember them all. And they're all the same. You get born, you suffer a while, and then you die. The only way out of this is enlightenment. Then the eye dies before the body does and awareness becomes aware of itself. This is the only way out. There is no other way. Now, I don't want you to take that on as a belief. I, you, you find out for yourself, investigate for yourself. Uh, I, don't, I don't teach beliefs because beliefs are all prisons. That's my direct experience, which I'm telling you about. But put it in the maybe column until you find out for yourself. Never ever take on beliefs. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. And that um, made more sense than anything else. So I uh, appreciate that. Thank you, Vishwan. Nice talking to you, Tyler. Next, we have a question from uh, jo Jyoti. Hi, Jyoti. Hi, Vishrant. I had another question. Um, so my uncle just passed away. Do you have anything or anything that you can share about um, when the soul leaves the body, that kind of a thing? Or is that something that um, you don't have much to comment on? Well, I kind of wonder about the soul, actually. I think soul is a creation of the priests. The ego is an entity which seems to get reborn again but usually without any memory. And so the entity of the eye, it has unfinished business 
is not surrendered when it dies, comes back again into another body. In the meantime, it goes into a space where it's not thinking, it's like a sleep, a twilight zone. And for me, uh, in my last life, that twilight zone was around about eight years, eight years in the twilight zone. Because uh, I died in 1946 and I came back in 1954. Look, there's so much I don't know about. I can only talk to you about my own direct experience. I'm not interested in what other people say about it because there's way too much religion wrapped around it all. But there is definitely something in it. It's very clear to me. But you'll have to look for yourself. Most people don't really remember past lives. They come back without any memory whatsoever. And I came back without any memory, but then I started gaining memories when I was 10. I started remembering what I'd been before. Okay. No, thank you. Uh, you know, something they've directly experienced is, is very valuable for me to hear. Thank you for sharing. Okay. The next question is, how can I trust if I know someone is going to do something that isn't in my best interest? Well, you can avoid that. You can trust that they're going to do it. <laughs> and you can trust when it happens, it was meant to happen. But you don't have to put up with it. You can avoid it. <laughs> you can move away or you can change things. It's if, if you really listen to me, it's a little different. If something happens, I trust it was meant to happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. That has nothing to do with future projections or past memories. It's in the moment. The next question has been written by Chris. Do you think past lives might cause confusion with sexual identity in this life? That's a possibility. I remember when I go back into my lives, I remember two lives clearly where I was a woman. Uh, on both lives, I was um, uh, native and I was uh, a shaman, a shamanic woman in both lives. And I remember the feeling of being a woman. As far as confusion is concerned, it's a possibility. I don't know. The thing is, people think that people who are awake know everything. Well, it's just rubbish. They don't. There's so much I don't know. It's not funny. There's a few things that my, are my own direct experience and knowing that I can talk about. But ultimately, I don't know much at all. The universe is not fathomable. It's what we are is not fathomable. There's no reference points in it. The next question has been written by a viewer. You interpreted past lives as suffering that you don't want to repeat. 
Is that biased because you don't remember the good parts? It seems that in this life, as in other lives, I haven't had a real problem with pain or suffering. I have been okay with it. And so it's not one of the reasons I got involved in higher consciousness towards enlightenment. I wasn't looking for an out. I wasn't looking to get free of pain or suffering. What got me involved was curiosity. I started coming across people who were further ahead consciously than myself. And I was just really interested in knowing how that was possible. And then when I came across, when I was 28 years age of age, Osho Rajneesh, it was like, wow, that's super consciousness. I want to know more about that. And it was curiosity that killed this cat, not trying to avoid suffering. The next question is, is acceptance the same as trust? You could put them in the same category, but then again, you could put unconditional surrender in the same category as well, because really, if we look at them, it's, they're a non-doing. Being okay with what is. It's our resistance to life that is a doing. The next question is, does trusting life mean that you go with the flow? Someone who trusts life is in flow continuously. Someone who doesn't trust life is constantly contracting, constantly stuck. They go from flow to stuck and back again. Someone who's actually trusting life is always in flow. What is it that taught you to trust life? Satori. Satori is a glimpse of what we truly are. And in the Satori's, the early Satori's, I got to see that there was nothing but perfection upon perfection upon perfection. That the idea of right, wrong, good, bad was just a mind-made product that had nothing to do with the reality of existence. In existence, there is nothing but perfection upon perfection upon perfection. Love upon love upon love. But that understanding and that realization occurred as a result of Satori. The next question has been written by Neil. Could studying science and following the scientific evidence lead me to the truth? Well, it has done. 
the uh, electron microscope has discovered that at the center of everything, there's nothing. Uh, sages for thousands of years have been telling people that. The next question has been written by a viewer. So someone was offering a scam to kill you and you were like, sure, I'm curious. You have to repeat that, I didn't hear you. <clears throat> so someone was offering a scam to kill you and you were like, sure, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're calling it a scam. You're a skeptic. That's okay. I'm a skeptic too. I approached everything from a place of doubt. I don't believe anything. I'm not the sort of person who has faith. Unless it's my own direct experience, my own direct knowing, I have no interest at all. I just put everything in the maybe column. I don't like belief systems. A true seeker is a skeptic. Next question is, does having complete trust happen when we deeply understand things like impermanence or karma or that we are more than a body? It's not really a result of an understanding. It's a result of a willingness to die. Stop trying to survive, let go and let God. You can't understand your way to higher consciousness. You can't understand your way to enlightenment. You can't rationalize it. It's not possible. It's beyond the mind. You have to learn to die. Unconditional surrender is a death. Trust is a death. Acceptance is the way we learn that. Next question is, has been written by a viewer. If a seeker is a skeptic, isn't that in the way of trust? Heck no. Without, without doubt, you'll actually believe all the things you've been programmed with. You see, we weren't programmed for freedom. We weren't programmed for happiness. We were programmed so we could be controlled, so we could be a little, fish, little efficient machines, bricks in the wall, Every doubt, every doubt is worthy. Challenge all beliefs. Every belief should be undone. You want to get free, undo all your beliefs. You think you're so independent, you didn't even program yourself. All of your thinking is a result of programming that was put inside of you externally. Undo all beliefs and you'll start getting free. Be a skeptic. Doubt everything. Scientific approach is to doubt. In other words, prove it to me. Thank you for satsang. Good to see you brave hearts here today. 